Just like to open up that topic of social transformation. Social transformation is not a phrase that we find in the Bible. Um, we do see throughout the scriptures lots of concern for the least, the last, the lost, the poor, uh, the foreigner, um, the guest in the nation of Israel. And Jesus has so much to talk about um, with regards to, uh, to justice and the way that we treat those that are on the margins. Uh, so, but rather than social transformation, what the Bible speaks an awful lot about is this idea of justice and this idea of righteousness, justice and righteousness. And when we think about justice, we can easily just be thinking about uh, the criminal justice system, um, police, uh, custody, courts, solicitors, uh, prosecution, prison, parole. Um, and so that sense that we only really experience justice if uh, we break the rules and we're caught. But justice in the Bible is much, much bigger, wider, more holistic, and affects everything that we do. And so we're going to sit back, we're going to watch this video by The Bible Project. Um, more American voices on the screen, but um, in terms of talking about these areas of justice and righteousness, I know that in the six minutes that they condense uh, into this video, there's no way that I could cover quite so much or do it quite as much justice as, uh, as they do on this video. So sit back, watch this, and then I will be back very shortly. Thank you. Isn't that powerful? A really eye-opening, thought-provoking thought video. Uh, and just a couple of quotes that I just want to bring uh, to our attention just to focus on justice and righteousness means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Justice and righteousness means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable, changing social structures to prevent injustice. I love the video and just the way that it uses the different heights and different levels to show how we as humans, all of us, treat one another. And when we see justice and righteousness in this way, we recognize that it is something that affects all of us and that we all have a part to play in making a difference. It's the way that we treat those who are less fortunate than ourselves. It's the way that our structure uh, of our society works. It's the way that we live and breathe. It's the way that we make our way in the world. It's the way that we use our money, our finances, our position, um, the uh, privileges that we have. Another quote from the video. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? And it sounds a lot like who we, as the followers of Jesus, as his disciples, are called to live. And I love the uh, use again in the video of the, uh, of the um, uh, what's it called, the, the strips of material, um, in order to show that sense of righteousness that God has given to us so that we might live a different way. And just as I was thinking around this, I was led to think that 
perhaps the gospel, as we understand it, might just be that little bit too small. I don't know whether you've come across the four-point gospel. It's a way that we've used to teach people how to share the gospel with other people. And the four-point gospel goes something like this. God loves me. I have sinned. Jesus died for me. And I need to decide for myself whether or not I'm going to live for God. And it's that sense of personal salvation. And personal salvation is definitely something in the scripture, and it is something that is definitely right. Um, But when you come to think of it, Jesus doesn't speak too much about that. Yes, he speaks about um, uh, forgiveness. Yes, he speaks about um, uh, relationship. But he speaks an awful lot about justice. He talks about uh, inviting people uh, that have nothing that are out on the streets, the poor and the marginalized, in to share at the table in the great banquet. He talks about those that are lost and going out and finding and seeking them. He speaks a lot about the kingdom of God, where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he tells us, doesn't he, to go and to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those who are in prison. And by doing so, we are serving Jesus himself. And as Jesus started his ministry, and as he stood in the synagogue, he took the uh, scroll of the prophet um, Isaiah, and he unrolled it to the point Isaiah 61. And he said that the gospel is good news for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoner. Good news, your sins are forgiven. Good news, society may have rejected you, but God's family welcomes you. Good news, society looks the other way, but God's family treats you with dignity and respect. Good news, society has written you off. God's family offers a hope and a future. Good news, society perhaps sees you as a problem, but God's family sees you as family. So it's no wonder that in the Gospels that we see Jesus surrounded by those who were outcasts, those who were despised, those that were oppressed, those that were considered unclean, those that were at the margins of society. Being with with Jesus was to be treated with honor and respect and dignity and to receive this great welcome. And those that had positions of power, those that were wealthy, those that were uh, um, in positions of power, those that were working the system to their own advantage, they were the people that struggled with Jesus' teaching. They were the people for whom Jesus had the strongest words. So I'm going to read in just a moment from Isaiah 58, from, again, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And uh, it's considered that this passage in Isaiah 58 is uh, taken after the exiles, the faithful remnant, had returned to Jerusalem. And we've heard a lot about Nehemiah over the last year. But we see a nation that is oppressed, still asking the question, why, why, why? Longing for change in their society and in their circumstances. Woe was their nation. Isaiah 58, 5 to 12 says this. 
Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with a yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Powerful, powerful picture. And it goes to show that the gospel is way, way, way more than just simply personal salvation. So our task at STC is not to grow a big church, not even to plant churches and grow strong communities. These are great, but it is only a means to an end. As Thomas said, these planting of churches and communities will simply be embassies of hope, outposts for the kingdom. Embassies and outposts that preach and live a radically different value system a different way of life, to bless this great city of ours. And our task is to make disciples, make ambassadors, selfless individuals, empowered, equipped, trained to extend God's kingdom. Working with the poor, extending hospitality, freeing the oppressed, and working to end injustice. We're to welcome the foreigner, the guest, the stranger, the broken, the dysfunctional, the widow, the orphan. We're to foster children, feeding the hungry, clothing those who lack, growing God's beautiful, eclectic family, submitted and surrendered to him as our Lord and Master. Jesus came and preached a vision of a new humanity. He preached a new way of living, a new way of being in the world. And it's that that Jesus invites us to follow. My wife is wonderful, as you all know. Um, And uh, she uh, is somebody that provides me with reading matter. And I'm trying to read a novel a a month at the moment. And I'm doing quite well through this year. And uh, the latest book that I'm reading is um, called The Passenger. And it was written um, around uh, just before, actually, the outbreak of World War II. 
poignant perhaps on such a day. And it is set in um, Nazi Germany just before the outbreak of the war as persecution against the Jews has broken out. And it follows one particular character uh, called Otto. And Otto finds himself seeking refuge, having fled after that there's been an outbreak of violence. And he finds himself sat in a library and he's overhearing a conversation between two German uh, people who are, who are well-meaning and well-standing. And they sit and they chat about what's happening amongst, uh, amongst the Jews. And it's a topic of conversation for them. And the contrast is between, uh, between these two characters having the conversation and Otto, who is there fleeing for his life in desperate circumstances. They suggest, these two in conversation, that they ought to do something about it. And then the conversation quickly moves on and they do nothing to help. And the commentary in the, in the story says they're comfortable, they're unaffected, so they did nothing. And I just wonder that in those times and moments, I know myself that there are times when I'm unaffected by what's going on out in the wider world, that I'm doing okay. And although money is a little bit tighter than it was, it's not putting me into a place where I'm making a decision as to whether to eat or whether to turn the heating on and be warm. To be a Christian is to have a concern beyond our own lives, beyond our own families, beyond our own friendship circle. We're to look behind and below us, as we saw in the video, to elevate others, to bestow dignity and honor, to extend a welcome, to include in the family to fill that empty space around our meal tables. So as we come to uh, the end now, there's a whole host of resources. As I say, there'll be people to chat to at the back. There's the cards on your seats, simple ways that we can all play a part in extending something uh, of ourselves towards those who are on the margins. And as we go into communion now, just that reminder that this that we've spoken about this morning is the very thing that Jesus did. God himself, rather than staying remote and distant, left his place of privilege and power and came and was born into obscurity to unwed parents in a time of great religiosity fleeing a refugee in Egypt. He came, he lived in obscurity. He lived a radically different way of life, reaching out to the outcast, to those marginalized, looked down upon, to the hurting. And then he willingly went to his death so that our brokenness, our sin might be taken so that his love and his life might fill our very frames, that we might become temples of his Holy Spirit, that we might live lives of radical love, selflessly serving those around us. And so as we come to the table, will receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that he willingly gave. And let's just take a moment just to consider 
what it is that we willingly give in light of his great sacrifice for us.